I hope you had a chance to say hi to somebody. You know, uh, some of you are a little more outgoing than others. So, uh, who likes getting these for Christmas? Ah, this one actually has air in it. It's pretty awesome. Just air, just air. Uh, who loves giving these? Right. So this is this is a lot of fun time, right? I mean, there's a there's a lot to Christmas about uh, giving gifts and receiving gifts, and I love I love both. I love uh, getting things and I love giving things for my uh, for my kiddos and my friends and family and that sort of thing. But um, there makes a gift special, you know. Uh, I grew up in a home where the rep, the present and how the present was presented was a big deal, right? I grew up in a pretty simple small town called Light, Arkansas, population maybe 50 people, right? Super small town. But Christmas was, my mom is a gift giver, right? She loves giving gifts. And her gifts were always wrapped to perfection, right? Like nice wrapping paper, corners, like how many of you men, I'm going to put this on us guys, can't wrap a present to save our life, right? Like that's me, right? No, how many of you men can do it? Like you know how to do it? Oh, look at you. I'm so unimpressed. I'm so unimpressed. But man, my mom, she can make the corners tight, not too much tape, you know, because you want the gift secured, right? But a gift isn't complete in the Miller household until something happens. What is it? I'll let you read. Put a bow on it, right? Now, I just got a little one, right, because this is a little gift. But, man, now, how, how many of you guys had the mom or maybe the dad who was like, save the bows, save the bows, huh? That, that, that's Allie and Christy, my daughters, that's Granny Beck. Granny Beck, when I was your age, girls, she was like, save the bows. And so somewhere in Light, Arkansas, in the closet, there's a huge trash bag filled with bows. I'm serious. I'm not making this up. And uh, it sits there for 11 months of the year. And uh, it just hangs out there. And that's, and that's, and that's what it does. Um, but a gift in the Miller household isn't complete until, and we're going to work on that, hum. But a gift isn't complete until we, we, the bow gets put on the gift, right? Now, over the next four weeks, we're going to look at certain words, right? Advent words, hope, peace, joy, and love that are gifts that God has given to us, right? But honestly, if we don't understand the words, they are simply, right, not complete. And it is Jesus who completes, it is Jesus who is the bow that completes all of these words, right? So I want to kind of give us this morning kind of a good thesis over the next four weeks. It's in your, in, it's in your outline, and it, it's this right here. It's that if you misuse spiritual words, you will live a misguided life. We misuse words. Hope joy, faith, love, we, peace, love. We, we misuse these kind of words. These are all biblical words. These are all words that God has given to his people. But sometimes we mess up the meaning because actually we don't mess up the meaning. We confuse the meaning. We misuse the word, right? Like, for example, uh, there is, if you go to dictionary.com and you type in the word hope, see this word here, if you type in this word hope, this is the definition you're going to get. Hope. The feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Right? That's the definition. That's man's definition for the word hope. Right? It's, it's somewhat wishful thinking. And this is not a bad word. I'm not, I'm not condemning this word. This word has its rightful place in our dictionary and our verbiage and how we use it. We just have to make sure that we use the word correctly and we don't spiritualize it. Okay? Because look at this definition again. Hope, the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Like, oh, I hope, and you shake a gift, right? And you hope that something's in it, right? Like nobody wants air, right? You get that for free, right? And, uh, but we hope that something is in that gift. That's wishful thinking, 
It's wishful thinking. That's, man, I wish. Right? Uh, that, that version of hope, that expression of hope, where you're kind of wishing or hoping that uh, kind of maybe, maybe crossing your fingers that something happens, that, that's used in the Bible all the time, by the way. Right? And so it's kind of having the, the, the knowledge to discern. I'll give you an example. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 14, look what uh, Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon. He could have said, I wish to be with you soon. You see, what, you see the difference? It's a feeling. It's an emotion. It's, not, it's nothing more than that. It's that, hey, I, I hope I get to do that. Like uh, last week, uh, last Sunday night, actually, like many of you, I was hoping that the Chiefs would beat the Broncos. Anybody else, were you hoping that as you watched that crazy game? It's a fantastic game, right? And at the end of the game, my wife and I stayed up to watch it together. And here comes up the kicker, and he's at the 35-yard line, something like that, right? And Jen's like, oh, there's no way he's going to miss this. It's way too close. And I go, woman, don't be saying things like that, right? I want to go to bed. I want to go to bed. And sure enough, if he doesn't hit the, I mean, it bounced in, but she's like, oh my gosh, right? But we were all hoping. I was hoping to go to bed, right? That's what I was hoping for. But we hope for certain things. Now, wouldn't it be silly if we said today, man, we hope the Chiefs beat the Broncos. It already happened, right? We don't spend our time hoping. We never use hope in looking back. Hope is something that propels us forward, something that we don't know. But man's definition, and again, it's not a bad definition. I just want us to use it properly. It's more of the idea of wishful thinking. But there's also a biblical definition. See, God gave us the word hope. And I want to show you first in Scripture. So I just showed you one, 1 Timothy 3.14, where Paul talks about a feeling, like, I hope to be with you soon. But look how Peter uses this word, not as a feeling, but as something else. Uh, 1 Peter 3.15, the next verse there in your Scriptures. He says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. Right? And that's an important statement right there. What is he saying? He's telling, you know, Peter was the chief disciple, the guy who was with Jesus more than anybody over those three years who got more secret conversations with Jesus. And he tells us as followers, you must, not you should get around to it, or if you find time, he said you must worship Christ, that being Jesus, as Lord, as the boss, as the leader of your life. Not as just Savior. He is, of course, the Savior. We're going to read that over and over again. But do you worship this Jesus as both Savior and Lord, as leader of your life? And if someone asks you about your hope, See, now he's not asking you about a feeling, right? It's more of the subject. It's a noun. He's saying, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now, I've bolded those uh, uh, italicized hope and it because they're the same thing. When someone asks you about your hope, okay, not what you feel, but now it's a thing. When they ask you about your hope, you need to be ready to explain it. And I think if I were to give a pop test this morning and say, okay, I need you to take 10 minutes to write a quick essay on explaining your hope, some of you may uh, uh, have to kind of get sick and have to leave. Right? I don't need to do it. Right? We, right? Can we explain it? I want you to be able to explain it. And that's my hope, my wishful thinking by the end of the day. Right? Is that when you leave here this morning, you're going to have a much better foundation on how to explain this hope that you have. Not wishful thinking, not standing in front of a birthday cake, blowing out birthday candles, closing your eyes, making a wish. Like what is our Christian hope? The right way to use that word in spiritual context. So let's kind of jump in. Here is when Peter says, uh, and if someone asks you about your hope, here's what that word means when he wrote it in the Greek. It means this, joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Please learn that definition for the word hope. The Christian definition for hope, when God uses that word, 
He's not talking about a wishful thinking. He's not, he's not asking you to cross your fingers and squeeze your eyes real tight. He is referring to joyful and confident expectation of your eternal salvation. Hope is very, 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 very specific. We hope to endure this life for what is set for us in our eternity. That we will, be, that we will have the full fullness of our salvation. Many of you are here today, you're like, I'm saved. I'm washed in the blood, right? We're using churchy terms, right? I've prayed the prayer, man. I've confessed Jesus as Lord. I'm saved. Yes, you are. But yet we still have this nasty thing of sin that nips at our life over and over again. And the fullness of your salvation will not be completed until Jesus returns. We're like a shadow, an echo, a reflection of a thing that's not fully complete yet, right? We have this hope that we're not just wasting time. Amen? Don't you hope you're not just wasting time and being good for no good reason? Right? I mean, don't you hope that you're not just getting up early and reading your Bible and understanding what Jesus is saying to you for no good? Don't we have a hope that, man, God called us to something that we've yet to receive? Man, if not, let's go rob a bank. Let's move to the islands or the mountains and live it up, baby, right? No, no, why do we not be like, no, 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 because we have a hope of what God has called us to that's so much richer and complete than anything that this earth could provide. I want to give you this. When you use the word hope... In its spiritual context, you are focusing on something God has promised but is yet to complete. Your hope has not been fulfilled. I know your life in Jesus is better now than it was without Jesus, but man, it ain't. We, man, the best is yet to come. Our hope has yet to be fully restored. So I want to give you this morning, I want to give you uh, some scriptures that talk about five hopes because Jesus is the bow. Jesus is going to be the one that completes our hope. If you, if you try to live this uh, spiritual expression of this word hope without understanding how Jesus is the bow that completes it, you will, you will, it will always be wishful thinking to you. All right. So we're going to, uh, Paul tells us uh, in, in one of his uh, letters, he says that we should be growing up in our spiritual maturity, but yet we still find ourselves eating baby food. And we're still on the, the mushy stuff because we, we're still talking about the basics of our Christian life. And, man, we're going to grow up this morning. We're going to mature a little bit in our understanding of a really important word, and that is this word hope. So you guys ready to grow up? Say, I'm ready to grow. Well, some of you are. Here we go. All right. First one is this, hope and resurrection. We have to start here, okay? It's impossible to get a biblical understanding of God's gift of hope without the resurrection. All right? Now, the resurrection, I'm referring to Jesus. He lived for 30-something years, and then he went to the cross and he died. After, all, after he lost his life on the cross, some friends took him off. They put him in a rich man's tomb. He stayed there for three days. On the third day, God resurrected him. Jesus didn't stay dead. This is the, this is the Christian hope. Our hope is an event, not a feeling, right? As, was it was Boston that told us that, that it's more than a feeling, Right? We, we learn this, right, in, on the radio, not even on K-Love, right? We, everybody knows this, right? But our hope is based on an event, not a feeling. 1 Corinthians 15, 23, this is what Paul reminds us. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest when all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. If Jesus didn't defeat death, we would have no hope. We would have a great set of teachings, See, this, I'm going to try to connect some things for you. Jesus, Jesus, when he was alive, taught you and I a new way to be human. Like everybody can be better in this room simply by doing the things that Jesus did. Be a better person. But that doesn't mean you're saved. It just means you're a better person. 
Like you could read the book of Proverbs and apply those principles to your life and not be a Christian. Business people do it all the time. They work. Scripture is true whether you're for it or not for it, right? But it is the hope of the resurrection. Once Jesus defeated death, woo, on the backside of things, not only did he teach us how to live when we're human, now he gives us a hope for when we all kick the bucket, for when we all die. You know that, right? You know that 10 out of 10, 10, out of 10 people die, right? That's not news to anybody, right? That we have this hope. Turn your insert over here. Here's another scripture on the resurrection. This one's for us, right? If Jesus is the first of the resurrection harvest, the one who resurrected first and then us, Paul tells the Thessalonians, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no what? Is he talking about a feeling? No, he's not talking about a feeling. He's talking about this idea. There are people that we all work with and are friends with that have no hope in Christ. And so when people in their life die, they grieve a ton because it's the end, not the Christian hope. The Christian hope is, man, listen, we are aliens on this planet, that this is not our final resting place. This is, this is, just, this is just kind of the start, but there's going to come a time when everybody in this room is going to take their last breath, but we're not over. We might close our eyes in this world, but we will open them in another that is the hope. And how do we have that hope? Because of Jesus, not because you did good this year. As Luke says, my son, it wasn't because you're gooder. It has nothing to do with you being gooder. It's the fact that Jesus is the hope of our resurrection. If that event, I can't, I can't you got to get this. When, when you're asked to explain your hope, it must start with the resurrection of Jesus. Because if he doesn't resurrect, if God doesn't bring his boy back to life, we have no hope. And all of this is useless because death, the most final thing, the most powerful thing, would have won. But we know and we believe our Christian hope is death didn't win. Jesus defeated even death. Amen? So I have a question for you to write. Uh, uh, well, let's, let's continue this next one. The second thing that builds on the resurrection is hope and salvation. Because of the resurrection, right, as we explain our hope, because Jesus was resurrected, guess what? I get to be saved. Because if Jesus can beat death, he can defeat anything that's keeping me from God. Amen? Now, see, some of you, words are powerful. There is, think about the thing that you're struggling with right now, okay? If you, if you are. Is that thing more powerful than death? Let me help you out. The answer is no. And so if Jesus defeated death, don't you think he can handle your thing? The right answer is yes, he can. Now, you may not believe it, but you've got to begin to speak these things. Instead of, you think, you think poorly. You think poorly. And then you sit in your mess. And you sit there in your, in your negative thoughts about, and you tell God what God can't do. Will you please quit telling God what God can't do? Holy cow, would you quit telling God what God can't do? I'm going to keep saying this because people, are, I can tell by your face, you don't, you don't, you're not listening to me. You keep telling God what God, oh, I would never be able to do that. Oh, God, I could never do that. God, I'll never get over this. God will never get. And we just keep telling God what God can't do. And we just keep doing this. And he's like, no, stop it. And you keep, you know, I'm, and you, we, just keep, we just keep taking Jesus off the hope. Quit telling God what God can't do. And instead, listen to what God says about you and where you're going. Right? Man, he is the hope of your salvation. Check this out. Uh, uh, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 4. I mean, no. Uh, Chapter 1, 3 through 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Lord Jesus Christ. There's this expectation that Jesus is the leader of your life. It is by His great mercy, right? Uh, uh, my son, I actually was, one of my, one of my kids asked me, what does mercy mean? And uh, I said, mercy is uh, um, not getting what you deserve. 
Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And so it is by his great mercy that we have been born again. We have been saved. Because why? How can that happen? Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the definition of resurrection, right? You see how they build on each other? The reason that we can be saved is because of an event that happened. How do you explain your hope? Well, God resurrected Jesus from the dead, and therefore I have hope in my salvation. Now, we live with great expectation, right? We look forward. We expect. Man, like, are you looking in the rearview mirror of your life all the time? Are you, are you doing life in reverse? Or are you looking with great expectation? And we have a priceless inheritance. Circle that word inheritance. We have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond reach of change and decay. Because you have been saved because of the resurrection of Jesus. See these building blocks? Resurrection. Now we have salvation. Guess what? You get an inheritance. Right? And it's not an inheritance. Some of you uh, heard somebody say uh, the worst. uh, 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 Don't wait. I'm going to mess it up. I'm not even going to say it. I'll I'll offend somebody in my ignorance. I don't want to do that. But some of us are waiting for our parents to kick the bucket to have a good inheritance. Right? 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 I mean, just sometimes we think that way. I wonder what my parents will leave me. I wonder what my grandparents will leave me. The beautiful thing about God's inheritance, it's already ours. It's already ours. We get to step into everything that God has. So here's a question, right? Or let me, let me, let me ask you this. I asked you to write in hope and salvation. The next one is hope in our inheritance. Okay? Hope in our inheritance. Now, after you write inheritance, let's go back up to salvation. And here's what I want to ask you, okay? And you can, if something, if something comes to your head or heart, just write it down. If not, we're going to continue to move on. I'm just going to give you some things to think about. This is a great Bible study this week for you, by the way, okay? I'm giving you five hopes. Do it Monday through Friday. I'll see you again next Sunday, okay? And we'll give you more, right? Uh, focus on one of these a day. But when you think about your hope and salvation, what, what are you currently hoping in that's going to save your sorry butt? What are you hoping in? Like, do that scary game that if you were to die today and stand before the Lord and he says, why should I let you come in? What's your answer? What's your hope? Is it because what? Because, Because of something that you did? Because you helped an old lady cross the street? Right? Because you went to church? Right? I mean, what, what's, what is the thing that you say, this is going to save me. And actually, if you begin to verbalize this stuff, you might shake, find yourself shaking your head at your own answers going, well, that's crazy. That can't be accurate. I, can't, I don't really believe that, right? But it's good to be able to process what is the thing that's going to keep you in a relationship with Jesus? What are, what are you counting to save you? And I want to give you the answer that, I, that, that you need to work to. It's Jesus. The hope of your salvation is that Jesus was resurrected, that he has been given all power and authority, even over death, and he is my Lord and my Savior. Man, tell God that. Tell Jesus that. Tell yourself that. Remind yourself of who your salvation is. That job is not your salvation. And that in those kids and how well they're doing in college, that's not your salvation. And that promotion that you're counting on, that's not your salvation. And that retirement home uh, that you bought on the lake, that cabin, that's not your salvation. 
And I'm not saying those things are bad. Just don't, like, you can't say, hey, that's the thing that's going to snow. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Then I talked about an inheritance. Right? Because we're given that because of our salvation. Romans 8, 23. And we believers also groan. He's referring to how creation groans, if you read all of chapter 8 there. Even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Every, every believer in this room, even sin is always like that little bitty dog that nips at your heels. And even though we follow Jesus and we love Jesus, here's the truth. Man, sin is just one stupid decision away from messing with our life. Amen? But there's going to come a time, our hope, that sin is not going to be there. Future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope, right, for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including new bodies. He has, what's that word? Promise. Promise. Circle that one. He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. When you think about your inheritance, guys, what are you, th- what are you, what are you counting on? What are you counting on? Are you counting on your 401k? My dad has stock options in the business. He work, he, he, my dad's a truck driver. He has stock options for his company. And from July to August, he's lost, uh, uh, it's not his 401k, it's just his stock options, right, that he has to cash out if he, ret- if he quits or retires. And in uh, July, my dad had $260,000 in stock options, right, that was actually going to be mine and my sister's. The company's not done, done too well, and now it's gone from 260 from July to uh, November, from 260 to about $40,000. That's called taking a dive, right? Thank God that my hope and my inheritance is not in dead presidents, right? Now, if you want a cheap stock to buy, I'll tell you one after service, right? <laughs> we, we bought some, hoping that it goes back up. <laughs> um, but if you want to, me and Jen have learned, if you want a company to die, just tell us to buy its stock, because we're horrible at that. <laughs> but our, so is your hope in this money stuff? Do you, has anybody ever felt like you got holes in your pockets? Oh my goodness, right? Man, we, we have to fix our, our inheritance is in a place with Jesus. And man, listen, it's, Jesus says where moths don't destroy it and where people can't break in and steal it. My neighbors have those, uh, those lights that you saw when you came in, right? I, I put those on my house through the week and I bring them here on church on Sunday for us to have fun with, right? And, and I, I just got them this week. I'm so excited about my kids are just tickled because they want me to hang lights. Well, it ain't happening, right? Sorry, Gal and Christy, I ain't hanging lights. And, um, but I'll, I'll project lights. Well, my, I, the reason I'm going to do it because we came home from Thanksgiving and I'm in a three-house cul-de-sac and my neighbor to my left and my right have them. So guess what? I can't be that guy, right? <laughs> and so here I go out and I buy these lights. Well, I, we put them out. The first, they don't get delivered to like 7 p.m. It's freezing outside. But, you know, of course, my kids like, ah, I got to have them. So I go outside because I'm an awesome dad. And I put these lights up, right? And they're pretty cool, right? They're pretty cool. And uh, the next morning, though, I unhooked it and brought it in because I wanted to see what it looked like in here. And I didn't take them back, right? Because it's just one night before church service. I'm not doing all that mess. I don't love them that much. And so I, somebody came and stole my neighbor's. And so mine didn't get stolen, right? And I'm like, I, I, I'm like, that stinks. I'm glad I didn't do that because I'd have been mad, right? But they got, they got stolen. I don't even know how I got there, but yeah. Hope and silly things. Man, people, people. How about this next one? So resurrection leads to our salvation because we're saved. We're promised an inheritance. 
This is a great one. I love this one. Hope in God's promises. Okay. This is really important. Okay. Some of you have been frustrated at God because you've held him to a promise that he's never made. You've contributed a promise to God that God never promised. And that's why it's really important as we grow up in our faith that we actually understand what God promised and what God didn't promise us. What God committed to us and what God didn't commit to us. Because like, um, I'm hoping right, that my wife gets me these uh, laser-measured floor mats for my Jeep. Right? I'm hoping she gets me those for Christmas. Now, and I'm hoping that you'll remind her of that after service today. Right? <laughs> Wishful thinking, right? God has not promised me floor mats. And so if I don't get floor mats on Christmas, I shouldn't get mad at God. I should get mad at Jen. Right? And some of us are mad at God because he didn't do what we think he should have done. And so it's, it's us understanding what God's promises. Look at Ephesians 2.12. In those days, talking about the days prior to you have an understanding of Jesus as the resurrected Lord who you placed your salvation in. In those earlier days, you were living apart from Christ. You had hope without a bow. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And so some of us, the reason that we study the Old Testament is because the Old Testament is where God, where we read and discover God's promises to his people Israel. Romans chapter 8 is all about how we Gentiles who put our faith in Jesus are grafted into this tree of the nation of Israel and how God's promises to them now become our promises. And we, and we become one nation. Even though you're not Jewish in the room, we are grafted in because of Jesus into this people. But we don't know the promises because we don't read the Bible. But man, get into the Old Testament, man. Discover what God promises to his people. It's a beautiful thing. Let's look at uh, forward thinking. Now, maybe some New Testament. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his what? His promises. Man, know what God has promised you. He promises you that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that good? So anytime that you're feeling all alone, anytime that you feel like, man, uh, I'm, I can't, I'm, I'm so isolated, I have no friends, I don't know what to do, man, call out on this promise. Jesus, you told me you would never leave me nor forsake me. Jesus promised us that when he left, he would give us the Holy Spirit. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Now, you may not listen to him a lick, I don't know, but it's a promise that's been given. And so those times that you're like, I don't know what to do, right? Right? You know what else? Another promise that God has given us is his word. God's word is truth. It's a promise. This morning I woke up at 4 a.m. And I just, I woke up like, I don't know what you would call it. Like I was cranky and I was angry. Like I don't know if I had a bad dream, but I was just mad. And I couldn't go back to sleep. I was laying there. And you know what I did? I prayed the, the, the psalm that said, praise the Lord on my soul. I'm going to take my, my thoughts captive because I wasn't thinking in a good way. I was thinking negatively. I was uh, getting angry at people, right? For real things, by the way. I wasn't making stuff up. But I was allowing my emotions to take control and get me laying in bed all stressed out, all aggravated, and I had to take my thoughts captive and re- rely on the promises that God's got this. God's under, got this under control, and I can trust the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding. I can acknowledge Him in all my ways, and He, will, he promises to make my path straight. 
You know, David tells us in Psalms, and this is why you should read the Word, man. You just, you just, it's, like, it's like song lyrics. You just remember them, right? Where he says, man, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That your word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. It, it shows me where to go and how to get there. Like There's no reason for you as a follower of Jesus to be stumbling around in the, blo- in the, blo- in the dark, trying to search your way. Man, God, God's promises, they, they guide you. Well, man, I could just never, I could just never. There was a time in your life when you didn't know how to add two plus two. And you know how to do that now. You can even do much more complicated math, I'm sure. So don't, I will not allow you to fall back on, well, I just don't know the Bible. Then learn it, Right? We, we always learn things. There was a time when you didn't know how to drive. I'm pretty sure everybody almost drove here today, or at least you wanted to, right? There was, oh, my goodness, there was a time when you couldn't even walk. Can you believe that? There was a time you couldn't do anything with everybody else taking care of you. And look at you now. You got yourself dressed. I'm so proud of you, right? So don't tell me that you just can't. I just don't, man, I just don't know the word like you know it. Well, you know what? We all start somewhere. We're not going to let you stay there. Amen? We're going to mature in our faith. Hope in God's promises. How about this last one? Hope in times of struggles. Curtis, if you and the guys want to come on back up, we're going to do a a song after this one. But hope in times of struggles. Again, in Hebrews, we read this. Our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Notice the correlation here. Sometimes when we hit struggles, you know what our tendency is? We stop loving. Come on. I know you're wrapping up because you think I'm done. I'm not done. We got 15 more minutes. The tendency is, is that when stuff doesn't go well in your life, miscarriage, loss of job, illness, divorce, breakup, addiction, loss of $220,000, whatever it is, It's in times of struggle where we go back inward and we stop loving. Love's a verb. Love's an action. And we go, we withdraw from from things and we stop doing the things that that lead to unity. And we just kind of go inward. And and here's the deal. The writer of Hebrews says, Our great desire is that you will keep on loving as long as your life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Some of you have, have, have even said, I'm just at the end of my rope. I'm just at the end of my rope. And can I just tell you, if you're at the end of your rope, don't hang on. Let go. Let go. And you know why you can let go? It's because Jesus is your hope. And there ain't no way he's going to let you fall to destruction. Matt, you mean that I won't have to experience any pain? Nope, because I have no idea what your rope's been attached to. I got no idea. I don't know how you did a relationship. I don't know how you spent money. I don't know who you hung out with. I don't know what you did, right? Sometimes we make poor choices, right? And we find ourselves at the end of the rope of which we've been climbing and crawling up. And you're white-knuckling it, man. And you're hanging on with everything that you've got. And can I tell you, just let go and let God catch you. And allow God to pick you up with the scratches on your knees and the bloody elbows and just begin to say, okay, now listen, follow me. And man, he's going to love you. He's going to mend that broken heart of yours. He's going to take care of you. He, why? How do I know that, Matt? You, how do you know? Because it's his promises. And because when times of struggle, I lean on God's promises. Because I know what he tells me and I know what he says to me, that he captures every tear. 
And there's not a tear that Matt Miller or you as a follower of his has shed that he hasn't noticed and he hasn't taken uh, uh, note of. Uh, The scriptures even say that he has the hairs on your head numbered. Think about that. It's not that they're counted, like he knows how many hairs are on your head. He has them numbered. Like, I don't have a lot, but he knows like this one is number 47, right? It's not that he knows how many hairs are on your head. Like, he can point to one and go, oh, that one's this one. To me, oh, Matt, that's just, you know, Matt, that's just a metaphor. Yeah, great. It's a metaphor for how much God loves you and knows you and cares for you. Oh, uh, Matthew 5 and Matthew 6. Uh, you see the birds of the air, Jesus says, and you, and you see how they get food and how they have little nests to live in and how they have these little homes. Are you not more important than the birds? And if God is going to care for birds, right, who are simply just birds, will he not care for you? He says, look at the lilies uh, on, on the water. Look how beautiful green they are and how just, man, they're just, they're just pretty, right? He goes, are you not more important than they the, the things that are, are shriveling up right now because of the cold weather and they'll come back in the spring are not you, his prized possession, more poor than they? Then why do, you, why do you think you're not? Why do you think that God has forgotten you, has set you off to the side? Why have you lost hope? Here's why you've lost hope. It's because you've had a wishful thinking faith and today you're trading that in for a hope that is in Jesus. Use the word correctly. I'm not saying don't say, I hope this happens or hope that. I'm going to say those things. But man, when it comes to my faith and when it comes to my spiritual direction, my hope is that Jesus is going to do every single thing he said he would. And the reason that I can trust him is because the man lived, he died, and he lived again all for us. That's the hope. I hope I've explained it to you in a way that maybe you could reciprocate and learn. And even share with others if someone asked you. I really want to encourage you. Take this little insert. Use it as a devotion this week. How are you in your struggles? What promises are you leaning on? What's your hope in your future inheritance? What's the hope in your salvation? And do you trust and have faith in Jesus that he did what he said he would do in the resurrection? I think we're going to do a song here called Amazed. Is that right, Curtis? And at some point, Curtis may ask you to stand. I don't know. But for now, I'd like to invite you just to do what you want. If you want to sit there and pray, maybe look at one of those hopes that you're, that you're struggling with or you don't, you don't know if you have a lot of trust or faith in right now, and just say, Lord, what do you want to say to me in this? And then how will you walk out of here based on this, this learning? If at some point you want to stand in worship or if Curtis asks us to do that, we will. But let's just begin right now with a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. say aloud, maybe I'm going to say this out loud, why don't you mumble this out of your breath, Come words coming out if you feel comfortable doing so, that Jesus, I believe you live, Jesus, I believe that you taught me how to be human, and I believe that you died, and I believe in your resurrection, I believe it, and I believe that one day you're going to return for me, and that is the hope of my salvation that I am saved because of you. God, help me to understand what's waiting for me, my inheritance, and how I might even understand that now. How you are a good father that wants to bless his children now. Father, that you're a God who makes promises to his children and you keep them.
Help me to grow in your promises. Help me cling to the ones I know. And Father, in my struggles, in my fears, may I trust in you. As we continue this time of learning and processing, let's listen to these words and sing along if you, if you feel ready to. In Jesus' name.